0: It's an amazing opportunity to be here this morning and share the word. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this weekend through the last couple weeks especially. My wife and I were in Honduras a couple weeks ago and spent a week of ministry there. And while I was there, the Lord reminded me that my life is just like a vapor, that he can quickly snuff it out if he chooses to. I won't go into detail, but I had a stroke while I was in Honduras, and I was made aware of how brief life really is. You know, it doesn't seem that long ago that I was sitting where you I, you guys are sitting, and uh, through this week, it has been my prayer that As the Holy Spirit leads me, I want to share some of my testimony and some of my journeys and how God brought me to where I am. And I can truly say with the Apostle Paul that by the grace of God, I am what I am. Recently, I was reading... Uh, or meditating on a scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote. You know, the Apostle Paul was an amazing man and and, uh, most of what he wrote, I think mostly all of what he wrote, he wrote while he was in prison. And there's one, there's one uh, scripture where he says that he labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, and I believe as he was saying this, the Holy Spirit probably reminded him, because the next phrase says, "Yet it was not I, but it was the grace of God in me." And uh, one of the greatest needs of the of the world today in ministry, in preaching, and and even in song ministry. Um, God's given some of you people some amazing talents with music. And I'm sure that God has given some of you also some amazing talents in preaching the word. Um, And he wants to raise you up to be preachers and teachers of the gospel. But one of the greatest needs is not gifts, but it's humility. Because God can always give grace to a humble man. And and I'm going to be honest with you, there were so many times in my life, as a young preacher especially, when I was uh, attempting to walk in the grace or in the calling and the gifts that God gave me, that pride tripped me up. And, uh, you know, it's the mercy of God when he sticks out his foot and trips you up. It's not the devil many times. Perhaps it is, but God permits it to be so, so that... He can humble you and so he can show you how much you need him. And and so I want to say this, that when I do share through the week some of my experiences, some victories, some defeats, some breakings and some uh, wildernesses that the Lord led me through after serving him for 40 years, I want to do it only so that you can take an example and I will, I will say this before I even start that I'm not a perfect example. Only Jesus is a perfect example. And uh, in those times when you see men that influence you and, and preach and minister to you, I believe that most of us, all of us, are in one sense what you would call a mixed bag. Uh, there's a lot of Christ within us and He begins to... Conform us more and more into his image. But there's also some flesh within us that God needs to deal with and he needs to perfect us. And uh, so in those times when uh, the picture gets a little blurred when you look at me or any other man that is a preacher or a man of God, remember that you can look past us and you look at Jesus. And he's always the perfect image of the Heavenly Father. And my my prayer for this week was has been that that you would look beyond me and you would see Jesus Christ that God would give you a revelation of Jesus and when I say a revelation of Jesus, I'm not necessarily speaking about some super spiritual revelation where you see uh, there's a lot of that going on in the world today where things are called revelation and all they are is some superstitious imagination of people's minds but a true revelation of jesus will humble you and it will break you and it will show you who you are and it will want to it, it will make you want to be like jesus when you see his humility his purity his gentleness his kindness his love and yet his holiness you know as, I was, uh, as we were singing, you're going to have to excuse me because there's a huge burden on my heart this morning. But as we were singing about this holy God, I remembered when I was 19 years old and a friend of mine that had gotten converted from the lowest of low Amish in Holmes County, Ohio, where I was living at the time, asked me one time, he said, he said, Dan, if you would die today, would you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are ready to meet Jesus? And you know, that question bit into my spirit deeply. I had been baptized in water as a 16-year-old pastor's son. My father was a, a preacher, a bishop of a Mennonite church, a quite traditional Mennonite church. I knew the truth. I heard the truth preached all my life. I knew that Jesus died on the cross. I knew it in a historical way, but I didn't really know it in reality. To me, it was a form that I filled and that I followed. And I gave the right answers when they asked me, "Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God?" And I said, "Yes, I do." And, I, and they asked me, "Are you willing to forsake the world and the and, and the devil and your own flesh and follow Jesus?" You know the questions. Maybe some of you don't, but those are the questions that were asked me when I was before I was baptized. And I said, "Yes." So I had dotted all the I's and I had crossed all the Ts of the church that I attended. And I'm not saying that in reflection against them because my father was a powerful evangelist and many, many people got converted through his ministry. But somehow I grew up so familiar with the gospel and so familiar with the words that it it was that all it was to me. And yes, there was times when there was conviction of sin in my heart and there was times when we would have revival meetings and my heart would beat. Madly when the invitation was given because I knew that I was not ready to to meet the Lord. And even earlier as a very young boy, I remember laying in bed when there was a thunderstorm and I would tremble because I was afraid that Jesus would come back. And I remember coming home from school one day as a young boy uh, and I walked into the house and mom wasn't there and there was nobody else there. And I just knew the rapture had come and I was left behind. Scary. But you know, something happened. Something happened about six months after I was married to my dear wife, Phyllis. Being the first class hypocrite, pornography in my sleeper of my semi truck, I was a truck driver, I was the worship leader in church. We used to call it a song leader. Because we did it all a cappella. But I was really living an act. I was a Mennonite heathen. You know what a heathen is? A heathen is one that doesn't know Christ. You know, I spent 20 years of my life in Latin America, and I've met many heathen that are just as religious as 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 Mennonites, Pentecostals, Baptists, whatever. But a heathen is not only one that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he's a person that thinks by the phrases and the prayers and going through the rosary or some pagan religions they would sacrifice to their gods. But it all means nothing because it does not change the heart and the fact is that there is a holy, holy, holy God that someday all of us will stand in front of him. You know, when, when I experienced this stroke in Honduras, um, I didn't say just a whole lot to my wife how deeply it struck the chord in my heart. And I love to preach the gospel. I love this is my passion. And and and, and places where the Holy Spirit and God permits me to preach and go. I uh, this thing is wanting to jump off here. I I love to go to places where I feel like God has opened the door for me to preach. And in Honduras, preaching every day and sometimes twice a day. And I'm not sure what caused the the stroke that I experienced. But let me just say this, I'm fine. You know, they say that important people travel with their personal assistant and doctor. I do too. My wife is my doctor. She is not an MD or a DO, but believe me, she's a doctor. And she watches over me jealously because... She feels and believes it's her responsibility to take care of me. And I tell her, bless you for walking with me as a servant of the Lord. I want to say to you, young sisters, someday, perhaps your husband will be a preacher of the word. And you can be such an amazing blessing to him and walk with him and strengthen him. And you know, I said something. I said that the Apostle Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I want to add to that, by the grace of God and the grace that God worked through my wife, I stand before you today. A man that God has brought a long way. But as I was laying there in bed, the first night when I felt that my left leg and my left arm were not wanting to respond anymore like, like they should. And I was like, Lord, what is this going on? And I remembered that just a few weeks ago I had prayed and I had said, Lord, when the time for me as a senior pastor of my church or as a minister of the gospel, when the time comes for me to uh, when the time comes for me to lay this down. I pray that you would help me to do it gracefully. That there would be a transition of leadership seamlessly. That I wouldn't hang on to anything that doesn't belong to me. That I would graciously let a younger man with a even greater anointing. Take the leadership of the church. And the Lord reminded or that at least that prayer came to my mind and I said, Lord, I wasn't thinking you would do it this quickly. But I will tell you this, that the brevity of life and the importance of you know, living for Jesus now. Um, You know, the Bible says, or no, I'm sorry, it's not the Bible, but there's a there's a quote that we all hear. We always say this only one life it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. How many of you have heard that? You've heard that? Have you heard the second verse after that? The second verse goes something like this. It says, And when I am dying, how glad I shall be that the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. And I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, dear young folks, There are some things in my life that I really regret. Failures, yes, lots of failures. Mistakes that I made as a young pastor, even as a young man, before I was married, after I was married, are things that I regret. But there's one thing that I do not regret. Every time that God arranged a breaking, a humbling, an opportunity where He chastened me so that His Son could be revealed in me. I don't regret that one bit. And I thank God so much for the grace to walk in humility and to walk in brokenness. And I thank Him for that time when He so sweetly baptized me with the Holy Spirit and gave me the gifts of the Holy Spirit that that I still function in today. I thank Him for every time that I yielded to apparent injustices and apparent failure that he used to work out in my life more grace. And so I just want to say that as I share the word this weekend, I'm sure I won't say a whole lot that you've never heard before. I'm not one of those preachers that praise God, give me a new thing that I can impress them. Because I believe in the old-fashioned gospel. That I find in the in the pages of this this holy book, and I started saying as we were singing only a holy God and and I remember not too long ago when I heard of another very famous influential preacher that fell by the wayside, fell into sin. I was praying to the Lord and And that night as I was thinking about this man standing at the judgment seat of Christ. And you know how Satan sometimes wants to bring fear into our hearts and our lives. And uh, the thought came to me, well, how can I know for sure that all of my past sins, starting from when I was a very young man up till even after I was a pastor and the times when I fell into unbelief and where I doubted God or where I found impure motives in my heart or pride or selfishness. You know, a preacher said one time that those two things that you will never quit dealing with, pride and self. Those are two things that once you take, it's like peeling an onion, you can take one ring off and there's just another ring there and another ring there. And uh, I'm not trying to be morbid in saying that you will never, ever measure up. But I'm just saying that as long as we live in this flesh, it is like the Apostle Paul said, we have the treasure of the Holy Spirit. We have the treasure of Jesus in an earthen vessel. And as long as you... and, And this can be an encouragement to you if you're a believer. If you're here this morning you're a believer, and maybe just very recently you really failed... You just really messed up. You just really soiled yourself spiritually. There's tremendous hope because it's, it's about letting God deal with you. You know, so many times Satan wants us to believe, and, and especially with young folks, so many times Satan wants you to believe that this time you've, you've just crossed the line. I don't know how many people I have in 30 years or more of ministry I've come across that have been just badgered and plagued by the devil into believing that somehow they committed some unpardonable sin that they've crossed the line. I just heard in my last ministry trip last weekend, we were in another state preaching, and I just heard of a, of a, of a friend of mine that is a pastor that is now struggling with that accusing voice of the enemy, believing that somehow he, years ago, 20 years ago, he committed some sin that God can't forgive him for. And if you're here this morning and you feel like, well, I've failed God. Take it from a man that has failed more times than I can shake a stick at. I don't have enough hands and feet or fingers and toes to count, how many times I have fallen on my face, broken before God, and said, Lord, i failed you again. I misrepresented you. I got angry. It's not been very recently. God took anger out of my heart. It didn't come out overnight, but it came out with continuous breakings and dealings. But I'm here to give you hope. I'm here, there, there's so much hope. If you're the most defeated person here this morning, there's so much hope. Because Jesus is a man of hope. He said to the woman at the well, if you would know who the one is that is speaking to you, you would ask of him living water. And what does the living water do? It makes you live. What does the other water that we drink do? It makes us die. So so I'm here this morning with a, with a, a burden on my heart that as I speak the Word to you and as I minister the Word, I, I want to do more than just give you three points and you can live type of thing or ten steps to victory. But I, I pray that you would feel Jesus for yourself, that you would not feel in the way that you feel When somebody pinches you, but feel sense his presence that you would know that he's near that faith in your heart would take a hold of the promises. You know, the only way you ever get anything from God is by believing something that he said it is faith. And Satan hates faith. He can mess with your emotions. He can mess with your mind. He can mess with everything else. But if you are one of those young folks, one of those people that says, Lord, your word says it, I believe it, I don't feel it, I don't sense it, everything says it's wrong, but I believe what your word says. If I can somehow through this week, through the times when I minister to you, get you to be one of those young people that believes what God's word says, you just believe it all the way from the beginning to the maps. Like one preacher said, I believe it all, he said. I don't know if you know this, but there's a not so subtle attack on the Word of God going on in the land today. You know, if I were the devil, I wouldn't come with something that you know is blatantly wrong. I wouldn't come with a big sign saying, Hi, I'm the devil and I'm here to deceive you. That's not the way I would come. And that's not the way he comes. But he comes with deception, he comes with smooth words. Oh, yes, to some he comes like a roaring lion and seeks whom he may devour. But to believers, he comes with deception. And he comes with doubt, just like he did to Eve. He comes to sow doubt in the Word of God. And it's my intention this week to speak to you about the authority, the authenticity, and the security of God's Word. It doesn't change. You can't improve on it. You can't amend it. You know, in our world today... Politicians are trying to amend the Constitution. They're trying to say that it's a a living thing, not a dead Constitution. In other words, it can change. You you can amend it. And that's, that's all true. It could be amended if it's something that is written by man. But listen, my dear young folks, this word was not written by man. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost spoke. Men wrote and spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And even the Apostle Paul, as he was writing Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Ephesians, Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, all of those books, he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And and the one thing that Satan wants to do is wreck your faith in this Word. And, And if you have got no faith, then you've got nothing. Because faith... The Bible says, is the substance of things that you hope for. What do you hope for? You hope for victory in your life? Then you have to have faith. Then you've got to believe. You know, in the German language, there's only one word. Faith and believe is the same word. But in English, we say faith and believe. But I've said this many times that faith and believe is is exactly the same thing. And faith and obedience are like twins. Where you will find faith, you will find obedience. And if there's no obedience, there's no faith. And I'm not saying obedience to some traditional thing. I'm saying obedience to the Word of God. And young folks, if you want your life to count for Jesus Christ, then you've got to believe that this Word is true. And that someday... You know, if you want to have a sobering thought as a preacher, just think and meditate that someday... I will stand before God Almighty. And I will give an account for everything I told you this week. Everything I said. And not only will I stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, but tomorrow morning, this is what God normally does to me, is tomorrow morning when I wake up, and I lay there in my bed, and I'm listening to my Heavenly Father. That's when he either says, yes, son. That was right. That was good. And he many times has corrected me and said, that one thing you said, that was not me. That was you. And then I say, Lord, I want to hear and listen more perfectly to your Holy Spirit as I preach the word. But young folks, let me also tell you that. Someday you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you will give an account of the things that you've done and at that day there's only one thing that will matter. Remember the little poem? And when I am dying how glad I will be that the lamp of my life burned out for thee. And so how can I know like the young man asked me when I was a young teenager how can I know That if my time would come to go, if I would stand tonight before the judgment seat of Christ, how can I know that it is well? This book has all the answers. Recently I heard something that John Wesley said. Some of you might not know who John Wesley was. But John Wesley was a preacher. He was the brother of Charles Wesley, the one that has written so many hymns. But John Wesley, when he died, he left uh, very little. He had almost no money, but uh, I think he had, somebody said he had a, a couple silver spoons. He had an old worn out preacher's frock or a coat. He had not very many earthly possessions, but he had ridden Miles and preached many times four times a day. I thought sometimes preaching twice a day can get a bit tiring, but this man had ridden on horseback and had preached many times four, up to three and four times a day. And he was the founder of the Methodist Church, which today has become nothing but just a dead denomination for the most part and has lost the zeal but John Wesley was a man with a, a tremendous zeal and passion for God and one of his famous sayings was i acknowledge no rule for faith or practice except the scriptures the scriptures the word of God the word of God is a sure foundation you can you can you can take it to the bank, like they say. You can believe it. It will change your life if you believe it, if you embrace it, and if you apply its truth to your life. If you don't try to change the word, change, let your life be changed by the word. And I'm not one that promotes seeing how many times you can read through the Bible in a year. But I very strongly promote letting the Bible go through you every day. And letting one verse or one chapter. There's times when only one verse or one little phrase in the Word of God grips me for days and weeks. And I meditate on it. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, Blessed is the man. That walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word. And in that law, he meditates day and night. There's a difference between meditating or just reading it. And it is when the man meditates. Look what the psalmist says. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. He brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and everything he does will prosper. But the ungodly man, the unbeliever, the one that doesn't take the word into consideration, the one that doesn't believe the word, the one that doubts everything the word says, the one that tries to explain it away, the one that tries to say, yeah, I mean, listen. I heard an amusing story of a guy that was reading the Bible one night. The one that just reads little Snippets here and there. The parts that I like. I don't like to read those parts. Those parts are, that's doom and gloom. You will never be a balanced Christian if you pick only the parts that you like. Just like mom and dad used to make me eat lima beans and peas. I hated them. Well, I suppose if they would have just allowed me to eat ice cream, I'd look like some cream puff of some kind, right? Maybe I do anyway, but... However, the ungodly man is the one that just picks and chooses. The Bible says the ungodly man, the unbeliever, he's not so. He's like the one that, the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, and every time the Bible says therefore, you want to make sure you know what is therefore. Therefore, the ungodly man will not stand in the judgment. Why? Why? Because he doesn't believe the word of God. He doesn't change his life with the word of God. He doesn't trust the word. He doesn't love the word. If you want a little assignment sometime, just read through Psalm 119 and see how much David loved the word of God. Even a man under the old covenant. Oh, how I love thy word, he says. He says things like, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's something that you can depend on. And you can build your life. You know, as little children we used to sing, building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. You know that song? You have probably all sung it when you were little guys. But your life is the temple that you're building. And if you take heed to God's Precious and holy word. You will be one of those men or women. That will not be blown away. With every wind of doctrine that comes down the religious turnpike. But you will be a person that loves the word. And so this weekend it is my passion and my desire to speak to you about having. A solid foundation in your life. And this morning at, at, the, at the house where I was. I was I was just organizing a little bit my notes here and I picked up I don't normally use a lot of notes when I preach but I picked up this big notebook that I have in my briefcase and I was just organizing it and I come across some notes this is how I used to do when I lived in Honduras 30 years ago because I had to write a lot of things out because I was learning Bible Spanish and uh, so I made a lot of notes as I preached and this is a message I preached January the 27th 1991 that's over 30 years ago and I was reading down here and I, I thought I'd share this with you young folks because I'm speaking to young folks this is part of a, what I had in this message. There was an interview, and and by the way, these notes are in Spanish, so I'm going to have to translate them as I read them. There was an interview with 3,000 young folks, and uh, the question was, are you born again? You know, in the beginning, I told you about this young man in my life that asked me, if I would die tonight, if you would die today, would you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are ready to meet Jesus? Would you know that you're going to go to heaven? If I would ask you today, if I would ask you for a raise of hands and ask you, how many of you want to go to heaven? I don't think there would be one person that wouldn't say, yes, I want to go. But how can you know that you are really ready to meet the Lord Jesus? How can you know? uh, And that's what, through this week, I want to To the best of my ability, help you to know that your life is on a solid foundation. Before I read this interview, I just want to go to the book of Luke. I just want to read a scripture here, and this has been kind of the springboard of everything that I want to share this morning. Um, Could somebody give me a tissue, please? I need a tissue for my nose, and I couldn't find any here you have one thank you I was looking across the front rows here I thought these sisters normally have you might have to open that but as I was praying through this this for this weekend in Luke chapter 6 thank you sister as I was praying and preparing for this, I felt like the Lord was laying this Scripture on my heart. And I'm going to start reading Luke chapter 6, verse 43. If you have your Bibles or your iPads or your iPhones, please turn there with me. I want to make sure that you know that it's there and that you know where to find it. Go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6. And I also encourage you, you know, there's one thing that really... I really appreciate when I'm preaching and I notice that people are really paying attention and that they're really into the message when they're writing and it doesn't doesn't disturb me when they're right when they're writing notes there's one place in Cambridge Springs Pennsylvania that is always a wonderful blessing for me to preach it's a women's prison and those ladies there's some fantastic believers in that place and those ladies really sharpened me because when I was preaching And I would use a reference or a verse and sometimes didn't know the reference. They were looking it up. They were writing it down. And so I encourage you to do that. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from the things which fills his heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? You know what he's saying there? Can I be really, really, really practical? Can I really bring it down to your level? He's saying this. Why do you come to the youth meeting worship and you raise your hands and you say, Lord, Lord, but then you go out there and you disobey the commandments of my word? That's what he's saying. That's my version and I don't think we're doing injustice to. That's the paraphrase. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And I will add to it, he had placed it on a solid foundation. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. In 1999, we still lived in Honduras, and a big hurricane came through. It was called Hurricane Mitch and my wife traveled to Tegucigalpa from Guaymaca where we lived and we saw the effects of a flood and you know many of those little adobe huts that they just had built on a mud foundation so to speak were swept away with the current and Jesus said if you are a young person or an old person And you hear the Word of God or you read the Word of God. You hear the sayings of Jesus. You hear the principles of truth. You hear the exhortation against sin and disobedience. But it doesn't change the way you live. There's a time coming when the storm will hit your life. And I will tell you, the storm hits everyone. Everyone. Get ready. If you've not had storms in your life, you will have some storms. I'm not trying to scare you or to spook you. I'm telling you the truth. There have been times when my dear wife and I, even after being in ministry when God has permitted us to go through testings, wildernesses, and storms and trials that we thought, are we going to make it through? Accusations by people and so many things that I'm not going to get into, but they were storms of our faith. Look at Peter. Peter, that aggressive arrogant, cocky, self-assured disciple. He could handle it. After he had denied the Lord Jesus three times, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to him. No, no, I'm sorry. It was before he did it. Jesus spoke to him and he said, Peter, Peter. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. I mean, I've been put into that sifter. Believe me, I know what he's talking about. Where you feel like the song that says, when all around my soul gives way. When everything that you thought you stood on was just crushed and blown out from under you. I've been there. Broken. But the wonderful thing about Jesus, he said to Peter, he said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith would not fail. Satan wanted to sift him and wanted to wreck his faith. But oh, what a prayer warrior Jesus was. And when Jesus prays for you, I'll tell you something, that's a prayer warrior. And Peter's faith was taken through the fire And at the end of his, at the end of, after the shaking and after the breaking, after the failure, he came out. And the cockiness was broken. And you see, the purpose of the tests and the trials in our lives is to show us how much we really need him. And to step by step take our assurance off of ourselves and put them on Jesus Christ. The Bible says here that the shaking will come or the flood will come. And what will keep you solid as you go through the flood is the word of God. Obedience. I spoke about faith and obedience being twins. Where you find one, they're Siamese twins, I guess. Where you will find one, you will always find another. But you know, unbelief and disobedience are also twins. Where you find unbelief, you will always find disobedience. And Jesus here says, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord? In the beginning of this portion, he says, in other words, God wants more than a Lord, Lord relationship with you. He wants your life to conform to obedience to his to His word. Now I want to give you the results of this. This. Uh, I was reading to these notes here. This was an interview with 3,000 young folks. 84% of them drank alcohol. 52% of them smoked. 52% of them used drugs. 62% or 66% preferred to live together without getting married. And 82% of them said, I'm a believer. From Mississippi, a young girl of 15 years old, she smoked, she drank, she used drugs, she lived in fornication. Her testimony was that come from her mouth said, being born again is the greatest thing. Christ is my Savior and my Lord. A young lady from Texas, 19 years old, smoked, drank, used drugs, Lived in fornication. I am happy. I almost read it in Spanish. I am happy that Jesus died on the cross for me and he saved me from hell. Florida, a young man, 19 years old, smoking, drinking, using drugs, having sex. I'm happy that Jesus died for me and saved me from hell. South Dakota, a young man of 19 years old, into all of that sin. Drinking, smoking, using drugs. This was his testimony. Going to heaven is the most important thing in my life. He he attended an Assembly of God church and he spoke in tongues. Why am I saying all of this? Jesus said, He that hears my word and obeys it. That's the man that has a solid foundation. And so, the proof of a solid foundation in your life is not the church you attend and not even the words that come out of your mouth many times, but it's the life that you live every day. And the question I have for you, my dear young folks, is does what you profess today match with what you live out there? Does what you say in here does it match with what you live when nobody is looking? Does the gospel that you believe and preach, or proclaim—not preach maybe, but proclaim—with your tongue, with your lips? You know, I was standing back there and I was watching, and and it appeared to me like many of you were experiencing God, and and that's all good, and and I'm I'm one of those people that I I feel a lot of things. I'm an emotional person. But listen, the feelings are only here for today. And then I'm going to go out through those doors and I'm going to face a tongue lashing like I got last week when I was on a ministry trip and my emergency phone rang and a customer of mine gave me a, a fantastic tongue lashing for something that one of my employees did. Then, then how I respond, that, that proves where my foundation is. The time when you're tested and tempted to open your little phone and look at pornography, is there enough of God, enough of obedience, and enough of the love for the truth of the Word of God in your heart that you are like Joseph in Egypt when there was a woman that was testing and tempting him and offering herself to him? He said, how can I sin against God like this? He didn't even have the Holy Ghost. And many of us profess to have the Holy Spirit and we profess to speak in tongues and do all of the things. And yet I see people in the Old Covenant have more obedience to the Word than many people that profess to live in the New Covenant. It's a deception. These young folks were saying, going to heaven is is my goal. And I've concluded after 30 years of pastoring, I'm not fooled by words. I'm looking at their life and Jesus said, either make the fruit or the tree good and its fruit good or the tree bad and its fruit bad. You are not judged by your gifts, my dear young folks. You are not judged by your talents, but by your life and by the fruit, by the grace, the obedience and the humility and the love for Jesus that you have in your heart. When you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you won't give an account so much of all the good things you did. Yes, you will. In one sense. But that's not really what matters. The Bible says that some came to the judgment seat of Christ. In the one parable and it says. That they came and they said. Lord we prophesied in your name. Jesus said sorry. I never knew you. What a tragedy. People that were prophesying in the name of Jesus. He said, They said Lord. You walked down our streets. That's like saying. Lord I remember Sunday mornings. When the pastor would preach. And you would walk. Up and down our pew. And I felt your presence. But in Jesus in essence what he's saying. Yes but. Yes you felt all of that. Can I paraphrase this and make that you understand it. Yes you saw all of that. Yes you felt my presence. Yes you felt the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes and you might even have been given a gift of tongues. But there was a lust in your heart. That wanted it's own way. And when you walked out those doors. You did exactly what you wanted to do. That is what God is going to look at us and He's going to say, listen, I wasn't fooled by your words. I was looking for obedience and I was looking for life. You know, I've many times used the illustration of my relationship with my lovely wife of almost 40 years. This October we will have our 40th wedding anniversary. And I've said, I preached on marriage in the home in Africa here A couple years ago, I had a series of meetings in Africa, and God transformed that church. The young folks started getting a hold of how important it is to live a pure life and a holy life and to keep themselves pure till the day that they get married. And even some of the people that had just kind of shacked up and got converted and never had really made the marriage covenant. They started getting married and they started taking the Word of God. That's revival. Revival is when we take God's Word by what it says and it changes the way we live. It changes the way we think. It changes our actions and in our, in our lives. Revival is not even so much when you come to the altar and you feel all goosebumpy. Those times are good. I've had them. I'm not throwing that out, but I'm saying true revival is when you hear the Word of God and it works obedience in your heart. That's a solid foundation. That's the kind of person that God is looking for in you, every one of you young folks. He's looking for young men and women that dare to be Daniels in the midst of Babylon or Joseph's In the midst of Egypt. Don't come with me with these excuses. Yeah, but my buddies. Whoa. Excommunicate your buddies then. Saturate them with your absence. Quickly. And get friends that inspire you to obedience. You know, as a young believer, I was... God gave me a gift when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was, I found, I said, I found repentance six months after my wife and I got married. And, but about two years later, a good friend of mine said, Dan, what you need is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I never even heard of anything like that. The church where I attended, that wasn't preached, that wasn't taught. I began to seek the Holy Spirit because I trusted this friend of mine. And one night in a little Pentecostal church in New Philadelphia, Ohio, I responded to an invitation to go into a little back room and pray for the Holy Spirit. And you know, before that, I was everybody's buddy and I just... I was, like I said, I was, a, I was a, a guy that had lots of problems. But the Holy Spirit changed so many things in my heart. Some things changed overnight. Other things, God allowed me to go through breakings and through siftings and through trials. But the one thing that I want to say to you, I began to have a passionate love for truth. And I began to, when I was told that this baptism of the Holy Spirit and this speaking in tongues is not from God, I went straight to the Word of God. What does the Word say? And so many things, it was God's Word. David said, Thy word have I treasured in my heart so that I might not sin. Young folks, listen, when you love God and his word, it's the best antidote for sin. It's like getting a vaccine. You know, they're making a big fuss about this COVID-19 vaccine. I'm not really scared about COVID-19. And, uh, you know, I heard a, a heathen in Honduras told, told me this here just a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? He's right. Sometimes heathen have more, heathen sometimes have more discernment than some foolish Christians do. But he said, I thought all these people wanted to go to heaven. Why are they so scared? Why are they wearing masks to go to church? He told me that. It's like everybody wants to die, go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. How else are you going to get there? What I'm saying is this. I'm not scared of the COVID-19 near as much as I'm scared. Or I fear. I shouldn't say scared. But I fear disobedience and sin. You know, the things that the Holy Spirit used to convict me for when I was a young believer, those are not the things He convicts me for now. Very seldom. But there's other things like motives, attitudes, David, when he was so broken, when he had failed God so miserably and had committed adultery, it's a wonderful message of hope when he said, Lord, you don't want sacrifices and offering; or else I would give it to you. Lord, what you want is a broken and a contrite heart. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, to this man will I look who is of a humble and a broken spirit. Listen, young folks, pray for brokenness and humility and teachableness. You're not near as smart and as spiritual as you think you are. I had an old man of God tell me that when I was a very young preacher, and it almost offended me. You know what? I concluded he was right. Pray that you can be teachable and broken and humble. That you can be friendly to the Word of God. That when the Word says something, Lord, I love Your Word because Your Word is my life. David was one of those men, old covenant men, didn't receive the Holy Spirit. And Lord willing, I want to speak about the Holy Spirit some some through this week also. David could not experience what you young folks can have today. The fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. It's like having a little built-in GPS. You know, you want to... Some of you young folks probably like nice cars. I do too. In fact, I'm looking for a truck. Mine was just wrecked. But, you know, sometimes the options are, well, do you want a built-in GPS? It's not an option in the Christian life. You have to have the Holy Spirit if you want to be a successful servant of the Lord. The man in Luke that laid his foundation, the Bible says he dug deep. And laid a foundation, and the reason it is so important to have that deep foundation is because the test will come, and you will be tested. First Corinthians chapter three. Turn to 1 Corinthians three. I want to read another portion of scripture that talks about the foundation. Thank you. That thing is like a equal opportunity annoyer. Thank you. I think when I put my glasses on and off, sometimes it readjusts it. First Corinthians chapter three. I want to read verses 10 through 17. And this is the apostle Paul speaking. He said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation And another one is building on it. But each man, and can I say, or woman, must be careful how he or she builds on that foundation. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw... And here are, here are the key verses I wanna, want you to hear. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of every man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know? And young folks, listen. This is God through His Holy Word. This is not just something the Apostle Paul was asking the Corinthians. But this is God, the Holy Spirit, saying to you today. Young folks, put your name in there. Make it personal. Read the Word of God like a a personal love letter from Jesus for you. You know, let me just inject this. What is going on in the Christian world today is a subtle moving away from it is written. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, when he went into the wilderness, after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You know, why would you do such a thing? Be- but, but it was God's way and God's method And it was through the temptations of Jesus and we, you and I looking at Him that we can have hope and say if He made it through the wilderness and through the temptations, if He could overcome, then if I take His word and His example, I can overcome. And every time that Satan threw a temptation at Jesus, he replied to Satan, it is written, he used something that was more than Just his in feelings. He didn't go by uh, the latest revelation that was in Nazareth. But he went to the Torah. He went to the Word of God. To something that was established. And it says here that every man's work will be tested which is through fire, or so yet as through fire. And then he says, young folks, do you not know that you, can I paraphrase this? You are the temple that you're building. The things you believe, the things you embrace intellectually, the things that you proclaim as truth, the things that you absorb into your life as something you can live by, That's your foundation. And if it's some man's philosophy, it will fail when the test comes. But if it's God's word, if it's the truth, it will stand. Paul says on down, If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. God has given you this temple. You know, back in the day of the children of Israel, their temple was a building But today our temple is our body. What the temple in the Old Testament represented, the place where God dwells, today it's my body. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is the place where God wants to dwell in you. And if you destroy that temple, God will destroy you. Don't think for a minute you can get past that kind of a judgment or that kind of an exhortation. It's a principle that does not change. If you destroy the temple that you're living in, if you, through sin, through drugs, through sex, through alcohol, through addictions and things like that, if you take these into your lives, God's going to destroy you for it. He's going to judge you for it. The same God that is a God of love is also a God of judgment. But there's tremendous hope because He wants to deliver and set you free. And he wants to give you power over sin. And you know, the Word of God is powerful if you believe what the Word says. He can set you free. But Satan wants to destroy people's faith with lies. And he wants to feed them a mixture of salvation or truth mixed with error. If I would take this bottle that I have here and I would put one drop of cyanide in there would you drink it why because it's mixed but the Bible says every word of the Lord is pure and so my dear young folks in the final exhortation that I want to give you this afternoon make sure that what you're embracing and believing is a pure word of God to you but most of all I want to impress this on your heart God's word is a solid foundation embrace it believe it live your lives by the word of God traditions change people's ideas change You know, as a young man, I grew up in a church that had some very rigid church standards. And I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I saw that these things were man-made things. Some of them were good. But you can't put salvation in the traditions of men. You can't put your trust in what the bishop says because next year he might change his mind. And maybe they'll take a vote and 50% of the people say, well, now it's okay for you to do this or do that or the other. But listen, God's word never changes. The principles never change. They can be applied to every culture, to every denomination. God's word does not change. God's word is true. It's holy. And the most important part that you must remember is never Allow another person to dictate your personal life with Jesus. This is a personal walk with Jesus. He wants to be your personal guide. And he'll lead you to Christ-likeness every time. Just one thing I want to say before I close. I have no idea when I started, so I have no idea when I should shut up. There's a lot of amending going on and changing of terminologies. For instance, let me give you some illustrations. There used to be there used to be a word when I was well, there's still the word is still, but I don't use it anymore very seldom because it now has a different meaning. When I was a little boy and somebody was gay, he was just happy. Now, instead of calling homosexuality sodomy and sin, the church is even saying it's an alternate lifestyle. No, my friends. It's still sin. It's still evil. And Jesus can still set you free from that. I believe it. I know of a young man that was part of our congregation for a while that was delivered From homosexuality. He's married and has a family now. You see. The world is trying to creep into the church. And when I say the world. I'm not necessarily saying the way you look on the outside. But your attitude towards sin. You know God is a holy God. And his word is called The Holy Bible. And you might put your little pipsqueak of a mind up to the Word and try to change it and rearrange it. And you might say, well, that's really not what it means. Or maybe some YouTube prophet has been speaking into your life and you embrace what he says. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, get off of YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of those. Get into the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit. What do you say about this? That's what I did so many years ago, 40 years ago as a young believer. When I received the Holy Spirit, God put a passion and a desire and an honor and a reverence for his word in my heart. And it's taken me through. It's taken my dear wife and I through many, many trials and many, many trials. tribulations and many tests we've gone through so many things but i want to tell you i love jesus today and i love his word i love to preach his word and i i, I want with all of my heart i want to transmit that love for the word to you you know as i finish One of the things that the Lord has been laying on my heart the last few weeks, especially since my experience in Honduras, is I felt like the Lord has been telling me to do the last however many years he gives me. I don't know. I'm hoping 20 to 30 more years of preaching. I don't know. But to transmit and to encourage other young men and women into the ministries that God has called them to. And I want to say to you in Jesus' name, young folks, those older ones of us, we're on our way out. But God is looking for young men and young women that will love him, that will not compromise, They will not change the word, tradition won't impress them. You know, Satan can't seduce them into sin, but they're strong. They love the Lord with all of their heart. And their utmost desire is like Jesus. Look at Jesus. He says, it is my delight to do your will. And I will tell you this, my dear young folks, that after 40 years of serving the Lord and 30 some years of preaching the gospel, there's nothing sweeter when I lay my head to rest at night than to hear the Heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. If I can motivate you this morning to true repentance, you know, true repentance is the only solid foundation that will take you to faith. You see, it's repentance of my own way. You know, people are willing to repent. Well, God, I repent. I smoked yesterday. That's not true repentance. True repentance is, Lord, I went my own way. And there's many religious people that are still going their own way. You know, repentance deals with your own way. And when you can truly say, Lord, like Jesus, you know, look at what He faced at the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, Father, if it's, it's, if it's possible. Listen, this was not some little spooky temptation for him. This was life or death. He was going to die for you. And if he fails that test, you and I are going to go to hell. Did you ever think of that? That you and my eternal destiny hung in the balance at the at Gethsemane. And if Jesus would have done like you and I do so many times and we kind of make a little... Emergency detour. Oh, Lord, this hurts too much, so we're going to go this route. No, Jesus went all the way to the cross. He went to the cross for you. He died. And he said, It is my delight to do thy will. And when he was saying, It is my delight to do your will, he knew it was going to cost him. It was going to cost his life. And who do we think we are that we can get by with some cheapskate religion that requires no dying to self? It requires no cross. It requires no... No sacrifice. I wouldn't give five cents for a religion like that. But oh, the truth of God's Word and the example I see in Jesus, passionate about doing His Father's will. He didn't even reach out His hand to heal someone unless the Father said, Son, heal that man. Because it was His delight to do the Father's will. He was obedient. He had a solid foundation. The Father's word was true. And he lived by the word. And he fought the devil with the word of God. And the Bible says, therefore God hath highly exalted him. And has given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Listen, my dear young folks. Live your life with the word. And if you don't, if you're here this morning and you say, man, I just, the word is boring to me. Pray about it. Tell God, change the desires of my heart. Here, some years ago, I had been given a responsibility that I just absolutely hated. This probably 20 years ago. And I said, Lord, I cannot like what you're asking me to do. I know it's your will that I'm here, but I hate this position and this place you've put me. And I said, Lord... Please change the desires of my heart. And he did. Many times all we have to do is ask. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm not wanting to make any kind of an emotional appeal to you. But I want to speak for just a minute to your will. I'm not much into feelings. I'm into decisions made by the will. And God looks at every one of us this morning and He's asking of us to make a decision of our will. And I want to encourage you to surrender your will to Jesus. Wherever you are, If you're defeated by sin, if you're addicted to some addictive habit and you've tried and tried and tried, I want to minister hope to you. There's always hope. Every day that God gives you life, there's hope. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would, with the sword of the Holy Spirit, you would slay the lying lies of the enemy and you would penetrate even the darkest darkest place in the darkest crevice of the darkest heart. And I pray that you would minister hope and faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to proclaim liberty to the captive and freedom and eyesight to the blind. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that this week would be a week of deliverance, a week of uh, a week of a week of transformation and a week of hope and a week of ministering life father I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit the blessed servant that you sent from heaven upon us Lord I pray that the Holy Spirit would come into this place there would be an anointing O oh God of, of 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 deliverance and I pray father that even those that came not believing and came just to have fun That they would be gripped by the truth of your word and that the presence of God would shake and break. Every stone would tremble, Lord. Now I pray, Father, like Samson, that you would give us an anointing to grab a hold of the pillars of that temple and that temple that has been built, that arrogant thing that has been built in someone's lives. I pray in the name of Jesus you would tear it down and that the power of the Holy Spirit would flow through this place and that lives would be transformed Lord, that their lives would be changed off of the sinking sand of this world and of sin. And it would be placed on the solid rock of the truth of God's Word. And Satan, I want to remind you this morning in Jesus' name that you were defeated 2,000 years ago at the cross when Jesus died. And He said it is finished. It was finished. And salvation was provided for everyone. I pray, God, in Jesus' name. That some dear young person that has been struggling would find hope for eternal life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And I pray that heaven would rejoice over repentant sinners. And I pray, God, that directions would be changed and that eyes would be opened. That you would anoint our eyes with eye salve so that we could see the beauty of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I want to thank you for salvation and for life. I pray in the name of Jesus.